0: Learn to address conflicts at all levels from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit san diego.edu/slash peace/slash VOSD. That's san diego.edu/slash peace/slash VOSD.
1: Should we do this? Uh-huh. Hey, I'm just going to be so invested and dialed into what you're saying.
2: Good. Where's the phones even put aside?
1: Yeah. Hey,
2: it's a new year. It's a new year. Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio 600 Kogo. I am Scott Lewis, the CEO and Editor-in-Chief at Voice of San Diego, and I'm joined, as always, by Andrew Keats, Managing Editor at Voice of San Diego. What's up, Andy? Scotty, what up? Our fellow Managing Editor, Andrea Lopez Villafaña. Feliz año.
3: What's up, Scott? How are you? Good.
2: Coming up on the show this week, the Mayor's State of the City speech is coming up. It's always a really great way to start the new year. So exciting for local politics nerds to hear what the mayor has to say. The big annual address sometimes includes big announcements. We'll try to predict what he'll say, including something like, quote, homelessness is a housing problem, which may seem controversial to some. We'll get into why it should be pretty straightforward. And finally, transitional kindergarten has changed education throughout California. changed your life. has. We'll talk about how parents, kids, and school districts are adapting to the new normal California education and how the local school district thinks it might save it from some bigger problems it's been facing. That's all coming up. Stay with us. Before we get rolling, we have to say thank you. We did hit our goal for the year end fundraiser $250,000 from uh, individual donors. Thanks. And it means a lot. Folks really stepped up this year, and that means a lot for our ability to pull things off this year to be able to make payroll and all that so let's give a shout out to those who gave a shout out to us jennifer roy for example she said from the whistle to the conversations and informative content vosd is always my first choice hey fantastic thank you jennifer come write copy for us jennifer that was good yeah uh ink and mellow i love your podcast exclamation point fantastic love you great name Corey. Minotti said, uh, Scott told me Nate, John, and Andy mentioned that Lopez wants me to so I did. Other folks who gave us a shout out, Nicholas Hamilton, Laura Ravine, Michael McDonald, thank you so much. If you did not give last month, your gift still matters. Our fiscal year actually goes till June, and we need to get every dollar in we can. It all matters. Uh, So you can give now and drop us a note at VOSD.org slash pod people, VOSD.org slash pod people. Hey, no no fault. If you missed the uh, end-of-the-year deadline, come on in. We got you. I'll just give you a shout-out. The link is in the show notes. I don't know if you heard, but over Christmas, there was a lot of weather throughout the United States. We got caught up in it a little bit. We were in the mountains of Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I grew up near there and um, used to driving in the snow, but there was one moment where we were driving through this very high mountain pass and uh, the, the minivan had uh, chains on. which Chains are fantastic, very good grip, uh, as good as any 4x4 I've ever driven. And you know what people get wrong about driving in the snow is they think like, you know, you can go faster with a 4x4 with a four-wheel drive. But the problem with driving in the snow is not going. It's stopping. It's stopping. Yeah. And nothing about those big trucks helps you stop in fact the bigger they are the harder they are to stop and uh so we were we were cruising we were doing great uh except it got really bad like really bad and there was you know a good foot of snow on the ground and then it became like a complete whiteout too so when we were driving in there was all these like sticks on the side of the road that we were like wow that's why are there sticks well there are sticks there because when it's that snowy you need to like stay between the sticks (laughs) Ah, (laughs) and there I have. I looked over at my wife at one point, and she was leaning forward in her seat, and I have never seen her that stressed out in my life, and this includes like unexpected home births and stuff. Like this was a bad, stressful look that she had, and I was like, maybe, uh, maybe things. Maybe my judgment will be questioned about what we're doing here. Maybe mm-hmm. things aren't going to work out very well. Presumably was, that had already happened. Right.
1: The judgment being questioned.
2: I was, so I started getting, you know, white knuckled terror and I'm just like holding on, like doing our best. And I look in the rear view mirror and my daughter is just completely asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and at that moment I was like, that's good. That makes me trust She good trusts there. you. Yeah. Just like, that's just pure intrinsic
1: She's- trust. Absolutely no sense of how little she should. Right. But, that, but she does. <laughs> yeah.
3: She's like, maybe if I sleep.
1: It's like he wouldn't put me I in harm's just way.
3: won't notice what happens. <laughs> no, I, it's, it's more
1: than that. It's, she, it just had never occurred to her that you would put her in harm's way to the extent that she did. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh,
2: now, that said, I did run into a snowbank Ooh. and we did get briefly stuck. But I had been going slow enough that it wasn't a problem. I was able to get out of it. But from this point forward, my family has used that as a joke against me now 75 times, maybe 80. Going to run us into a snowbank. Hopefully there's no snowbanks on the way. (laughs) It's it's like, okay. But storms. There's, There's a big one coming through San Diego and California right now. It's here. It's here. And they're calling it. All kinds of things. ...has
3: brought record rainfall, deadly flooding, and high winds to Northern California. A weather event known as an atmospheric river had dumped it's nearly It's not a
0: hurricane of- or a tornado. Dangerous. It's
3: called an atmospheric river. But what exactly is that? Right. Do they say what it is?
2: Okay, so I have clicked <laughs> on every every news story and video that says... This is an atmospheric river. Are you curious what that is? Click here. I have clicked on all of them. And not one of them has, has, has done the job of explaining what the difference is between an atmospheric river and a storm. They, they'll go through like really long explanation. Well, water vapor evaporates from the ocean into the sky. And then it comes across the ocean and it hits the mountains and it, it rains. Well, that's what a storm does
1: too. That's a storm. You just it's described a a storm. highly technical definition of a storm. Yeah.
2: And they're like, well, it has more water than the Amazon.
1: Well, that, how many other clouds have a lot of water? I don't understand. It's like, well, it's water vapor.
2: Well, they're all water
1: vapor. So you're not getting anywhere in terms of understanding if there is a distinction or have you settled on the fact that it's just a storm?
2: I have decided that there's still probably, and I'm and I'm bracing for the you know Scripps Institute of Oceanography to, to call and be like, "Here's what." Hey, dummy! You just embarrassed San Diego with your podcast. Here's how it's different than a storm, and uh, it's fine, but it, it is a it's a big storm yeah. with a with a big line of of storm clouds. But a are- big
3: storm and a big line of storm clouds does not sound as cool as atmospheric river
2: yeah everybody goes to that like it sounds cooler i'm I'm in <laughs> it it does sound cooler
1: now does does bomb cyclone sound better than atmospheric river bomb cyclone sounds like parody that's <laughs> that sounds like what I would come up with if I was trying to make fun of the sort of perpetual game of of weather inflation that we live through yeah weather just, channel inflation just I describe say. weather inflation it's well that uh the, the the ratings for the weather channel depend on on panic and hysteria and chaos. And at a certain point, winter storm's not gonna do it. Right. So it becomes a blizzard. A blizzard. And then a blizzard turns into a what was that one? Polar vortex. A polar vortex, right. <laughs> and uh and now we've, we've Polar Vortex is good. Yeah. And we've we've graduated now to Atmospheric River and apparently to bomb cyclone. But bomb cyclone sounds to me like what the onion would write if they wanted to just ridicule this this phenomenon.
2: Have you survived the atmospheric river okay so far?
3: So far. It makes driving harder than it is usually.
2: Which is not something you need. No.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well. So I I leave I only drive during times when it's not raining.
2: <laughs> yeah. Now look obviously uh lots of rain in these areas. We live in a giant floodplain uh, I understand there's areas of San Diego, South and others that deal with some severe uh, flooding all the time don't want to minimize that take care, hope you get what you need and and the support you deserve just just would love for one person to explain the difference between a storm and an atmospheric group like a
0: cyclone and she makes me.
2: Well, next Wednesday is the State of the City address for the Mayor of San Diego. So, Mayor Todd Gloria will give the annual address about where we're at and where we're going with the city. Often, it's been a place where the mayors have announced, you know, big things like, "Hey, we're going to expand the convention center and pass a tax to do it," or "We're going to build a new football stadium." Uh, all these things. Uh, you you haven't been
1: yet, huh? I no. haven't been to one before. Sometimes it's a place to like roll out a music video oh, that you filmed <laughs> with professional staff. Yeah, let's do some highlights of the past. <laughs> yeah, so this was, this was the best. Worst.
2: Worst of the best of the worsts. Yeah. Uh, when mayor, former mayor Jerry Sanders, uh, w- to start the uh, event, played a video, and it was this young black kid who
1: was running. And he was, it was a video of him running. Was it Lose it was like, Yourself? Uh, it was Lose Yourself to, by Eminem. Yeah. He was running from like a, a southeastern San Diego neighborhood.
2: And, and, and he was looking and somebody was getting like arrested or there was some, there was yeah. some police presence going on. Yeah. And he was running from
1: that. So already it's a little, a little problematic. And then he ran to, I don't remember if it was first to downtown or first to Balboa Park. But the trajectory of his run was from his troubled neighborhood to the the prosperous. So all the things that the, the mayor was the, going to build.
2: Yeah, the mayor was going to see through right for yeah. so the redevelopment of of Bowell Park. Yeah, uh, and then he he ran and and then they ran past the part where uh, they were going to build a new stadium, and it, it showed like the, the the worst rendering of a Charger stadium of all the. Three thousand renderings of Charger stadiums that they did,
1: and like even a new convention center. Like, yeah, and then like a twelve-year-old would be really jazzed about that. Yeah, too. and then he
2: runs past the convention center. Uh, all these places, by the way, that he would not be allowed to go, <laughs> or probably, uh, you know, wouldn't have a reason to go to the convention right. or whatever. And then, and, and then it, it came, and everybody was like, "Wow, great video!" And, and all of us were like, "Why did you do that? That was a really <laughs> bad video. Like it, it basically said." Your neighborhood is bad, but we're building a convention center. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and then it was juxtaposed the next couple of years with uh, with others
1: who were. You know, you say that out, all that out loud, and it's like,
2: sounds.
3: It's true.
1: no surprise that Bob Filner won exactly. the mayorship that year yeah. on a neighborhood's first message downtown. running against downtown. Right, downtown was the enemy that he ran against, and like, yeah, he won. <laughs> you know, with with support like that coming from Sanders.
2: Yeah. Uh, I remember the year when, uh, also Jerry Sanders was giving it and his press secretary, Fred Sains, who's now like the VP of communications at Apple. I think it, he's a, he was a big shot and he, uh, he would clap it next to a microphone so that when the, when, when the applause line started, he would, he would, you know, kick it off by like sending this resounding applause through the, the whole, uh, and, wow. uh, I think the most – I remember also when Kevin Faulkner, I think it was 2014 or 15, he uh, – Leakgate. Yeah, Leakgate. So he – the the Chargers were threatening to leave. And uh, I got a hold of an advanced copy of the speech because we were all wondering what he would say about the Chargers. And the speech was just, we're going to form a task force. Which was hilarious, right? like, oh okay, another task force yeah. on this
1: problem, and I reported that, and they were mad yeah they were they were very mad on the account of it had become standard practice that media would get an advanced copy of the speech that they would embargo mm-hmm. and not report on now Scott did not get an embargoed copy, he received it from a third party. Mm who he did not identify, mm-hmm. but it was correct. Mm-hmm. And in response, they they were, they were, were fervently believed that you got it from another media member mm-hmm. who had agreed to an embargo mm-hmm. and that this was a, a workaround of sorts, um, which was not what happened. But then as a result, there were just no embargoed copies of speeches for they the next few really years. They were really mad. They were really mad. It was as mad as they ever really were. Right. So do you have any predictions about what he's going to say this time? I, well, so I would say you know the one thing I've noticed about Todd Gloria's two State of the City speeches, um, at least my impression of them, is that they have been much less than either Faulkner or Sanders were interested in. They were they have been much less interested in um, like outlining the year's agenda and making big announcements that were themselves news. Um, sort of, um, you know he he he. The, the trappings of of state of the city speeches have still been there, of course, but they they seem less interested in creating a positive news cycle and more interested in almost like downplaying expectations. Almost mm-hmm. that that's 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 my read on what they've been doing.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I, I, that's probably fair. It's more about like explaining and and talking about what they've achieved. Uh, versus like outlining some broad vision. So I, if I if I'm pr- to predict, he did put up a social media graphic with what he'd gotten done. Yeah. Hashtag getting it done in 2022. Uh, he said uh, they passed a budget with the largest infrastructure investment. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Uh, increased homeless shelter capacity by over 40 percent. Okay. Uh, signed an executive order directing stronger and prioritized enforcement of illicit fentanyl. Okay,
1: mm-hmm.
2: so that's a good signing. Uh, updated the city's climate action plan, which, okay, it still doesn't like bridge the gap between the aspirations the the plan envisions and what they are not. And are doing, right?
1: Yeah, no, it, it, it if anything, it extended the the delta between okay. those two things. Yeah. Okay, but he did update it. Right. Okay. Uh, Past Homes
2: for All uh, of Us Housing Action Package. Which one was that? This is like you can build more <laughs> units around transit, stuff like that.
1: It was a number of things, the so, sort of like a renamed version of the land development code update. Okay cool so there you go
2: Uh, and this was this was my favorite received pro housing designation from the state good reception yeah (laughs) it's like a wide receiver yeah secured it good job Mm -hmm. and then
3: advanced redevelopment of the sports arena
2: advanced it it's like a it's like getting a first down Mm -hmm. we're gonna keep that that football metaphor you got a first down Mm
1: -hmm.
3: first (laughs) down
2: did not punt
1: didn't (laughs) punt (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I th- the one I think about the most was was his first, where you know, typically the start of a mayoral term, you have like a, or a presidential term or or a gubernatorial term, you have a, a f- first one hundred days agenda, where you're never going to have as much political capital as you do at the start, and you try to hit the ground running and and lock up some early wins, right? And uh, and part of this, I I, I absolutely believe is is genuine circumstance and not messaging or or expectations management but todd's first uh state of the city was just about what a dire situation the city he inherited was in um,
2: yeah it was remember it was really uh, a sharp elbow at his predecessor like kind of surprisingly
1: sharp yes and and then also just about like dishing cold reality about the state of the pandemic right um and you know i remember talking to people at the time and saying like well look you don't want to outline this bold agenda and there's no certainty that congress is going to pass another another tranche of uh covid relief money and if you don't get that covid relief money like there is no bold agenda and you're just going to be apologizing backtracking right away um but of course congress did pass another tranche of 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 uh, relief money, and so those harsh budget realities that they were supposed to be facing in the, that first cycle and that second cycle just weren't there you know the the, the budget got bigger, not smaller um and so it's it, it's interesting so that that's really what stands out i can't think of a, a really major policy announcement that has come out from his state of the cities, except perhaps last year at care court mm-hmm. um if you recall that was you know he. Came out and said that he would um, be supporting, and that he was in conversation with the state about supporting an expansion of of uh, conservatorships that that took uh, people who could not fend for themselves for their, because of their own mental health off of the street, and that um, that was a matter of compassion. Um, and that did the governor did end up supporting an expansion of care court, and that has passed. Um, but a year later i think it's safe to say that that has been that'll be a very um marginal expansion in the uh, the size and scope of that project nothing that that would even approach um addressing not only most people who are living on the street but even like a, not even a large fraction of the people living on the street
2: yeah we deal with this a lot right cuz they're they're like, they make a big that was by far the biggest headliner out of that speech last year,
1: and and insofar as he that was a, like a policy announcement, it it carried through. Sure, the governor and the governor embraced it. He appeared with the governor. It's passed. It's law. It's coming this year. Like it's, but we see that a lot, right? Where it's like a big aspirational thing. Yeah. And
2: then when you look into it and you're like, well, that's actually not going to change anything. Or not going to change a
1: lot. A lot. And and then they're like, well, we never said it would. Yeah. We never said it would solve everything. There are no panaceas in politics.
2: But yeah. like, well, we never said it was going to be a big deal. Y- you you did. did. You did. Yeah. So yeah. It's like, it's always this dance between like them raising expectations, us pointing out that they didn't meet them and then
1: them saying, well, we never meant to. Yeah. It's like, well... Okay. When it's announced as a big deal and we say that this might not be a big deal, we're cynical jerks. And then when it turns out that it's not that big a deal and we say, Well, what about
3: wasn't it gonna be, wasn't
1: a, big it gonna be a big deal? It's like, well, no, this is, you know, one of many, many things. And it's gonna, you know, this is problem isn't gonna be solved by one big thing. It's gonna be solved by a million little things. And and that may be true but I I do I do think that the the trappings of a state of the city um suggest otherwise when you when you make a big policy announcement it doesn't exactly suggest um that this is one small step on the road to 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 breaking down a big systemic problem.
2: Mm-hmm. So one thing that I'm sure he'll have to deal with and this will be the biggest thing again that we look for is the question of homelessness. How does he discuss it? There's been a lot of criticism this year. It's now by far um, a bigger deal and the biggest deal uh, in the city. And people will be looking for what he has to say about it. And I'm almost certain it'll be a combination of all the things he has done, uh, listing data like that, like the 40% shelter increase and and you know, something maybe about enforcement and then he'll say something about how it's a bad problem for the rest of the country too uh, and other major West Coast cities in particular. And, and then uh, I bet he'll have a sentence that says something along the lines of it is a, homelessness is a housing problem. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And this is a thing that comes up a lot where a lot of people, mostly on the conservative side, but not necessarily say something like, no, this isn't, housing or homelessness is not a housing problem and we need to stop talking about it like that. It's some sort of cultural or family or just individual
1: failing, right? It's a mental health problem. It's a, ju- it's a drug problem. It's a crime problem. Right, all those things. Choose your thing, yeah. So uh, I wanted to talk about that
2: r- quickly. So they, uh, at the Regional Task Force for Run the Homelessness, had a reg- a, a, concert, uh, a convention recently with people talking about the problem and they brought in a speaker uh, Greg Colburn, he's from the University of Washington, and he wrote a book about this very topic. It's titled Homelessness Is a Housing Problem. And I thought he did something really interesting in that. He looked at all of the cities in the country and uh, and their homelessness counts, right? They are all required to do this sort of census of homelessness. Mm-hmm. And he decided to like break it down. Okay, so if it's not a housing issue, why is it that some places have big homelessness problems and other places don't? And so he said, well, is it because of poverty? And he looked and and the data is there and there is no correlation between poverty and homelessness. Like there are places with lots of poverty that don't have a homelessness I, crisis. I
1: grew up in one of those places.
2: Right. Uh, and then he said, what about mental illness? We always hear about it as a mental illness thing. So he looked at places with rates of mental illness, uh, and serious mental illness, and compared that to their homelessness count. And there was no correlation. Mm-hmm. So then he looked at, uh, drug use. This often comes up as well. Like, mm-hmm. is it drug use? And he looked at the rates of drug use in certain areas. And there's places like West Virginia where there's tons of, of, of drug use and, uh, and not homelessness like this. And so then he looked at, uh, uh, substance use disorder and all these other, and tried to find, okay, is, is there any of these that correlate to that? No. But the one thing he could look at that did correlate with massive homelessness was the cost of living and in particular, the cost of housing and rent and and cost of land for
1: homes, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so presumably what he declared is that in some other places, uh, landlords are less greedy than the landlords <laughs> here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, 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 exactly. And he, fa- he found out that, yes, in, in Chicago, they're just like letting people they're live. Just like, they're well, like, well, we just gonna... decided to take less profit. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, that's the other thing he brought up. He's like, well, what about... So a lot of people say, well, Democrats are overseeing these cities yeah. that have tremendous uh, homelessness problems, and that must be why. And he said, well, there's there's cities that have Democrats who have been in charge for a long time that don't have this problem either, right. Right. Illinois and Chicago mm-hmm. and Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, no, he found that actually it turns out that if you live in a place where it's very hard to make rent, it's actually got a higher rate of homelessness. And I think we've talked about these numbers before, but it really is crazy how much it costs to live here and how Mm -hmm. much that has gone up. The rents
1: are too damn high. Yeah. The statistic I just saw that uh, Eric Bruvold, who works for the North County EDC, was that currently right now uh, over half of households spend over half of their income on housing
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's crazy but and the, like, i mean the rule of thumb forever has been like a third of your in uh, a third of your budget yeah. should be on
3: housing i think when you think about it that way it's like it just and so many stories that we've heard that lisa reported and you know other stories we've heard it's like it just takes one bad thing right. to happen to you, before you like lose your job or or something and mm-hmm. then right. you're basically on the street
2: and then and then you get into a position and I'm trying to learn about this as much and more too is which if let's say you do fall out of the housing market out of the rental market mm-hmm. you're couch surfing to get back in mm-hmm. is a lift mm-hmm. like you it, let's say you're trying to get back into a $2000 a month apartment first you got to find it yep. then you have to come up with the security deposit we're talking like $10,000 you need to have available plus good credit mm-hmm. to be able to get that foot back in the door and then a lot of people say well they should just move. Well, you have to do the same thing if you move to Phoenix or or Utah. It, it's not like people are there waiting for you to like, "Hey, come on in. Like, yeah. we got you." Harder like, to
1: get a job but in a place you don't live, and you don't know, anybody, it, and you don't know anybody and it's unfamiliar and you
2: may not even know how to get there like or, or or what to do. I did um uh I finally pulled together something I'd want to look at. And this comes off of something you did a few years ago about the housing crisis, right? Like um where you looked at just the job growth versus uh Homes, whether the homes had kept up with jobs, right? Yeah, over like 40
1: years. It was like two years ago, was it? Might have been three. Because <laughs> the, the, the slow, inexorable march of time has taken its toll on us all, So, especially.
2: Uh, thanks to Sandag and Stacey Garcia at Sandag, I, I got together some numbers and I, I pulled a couple others together to make this very simple comparison. So uh, in the year 2000 mm-hmm. and then compared to the year 2020, Right. So we have between 2000 and 2020, uh, we we have um, 220,000 more jobs uh, we have in in 2020 compared to 2000. So Mm -hmm. over 20 years, we had basically uh, 10,000, 11,000 more jobs created every year. Mm -hmm. Uh, 220,000 new jobs. Over that same period from 2000 to 2020, we created 175,000, 176,000 new housing units. Like right there, you see that dramatically, right? I mean, sure, that's maybe oversimplified, but we, we created far more jobs than we created homes. And when you create far more jobs than you create homes, you're going to create a very tight housing market. Yeah. And- a lot of people say, "Well, uh, you know, this this apartment building that's not being that's being built isn't isn't going to serve the need, right?" Yeah. But if you create a biotech job where the guy's getting paid or the woman's getting paid one hundred
1: fifty thousand dollars, they're going to find a place to live. Yeah, that money will be spent. they' they are going to find a place for that money.
2: If it's not in Carmel Valley, it might be in University City. If it's not in University City then they might have to go to North
1: Park. Or Kearney Mesa.
2: Right, and and if they find a place in North Park, then they're probably gonna to add to the demand for those homes there, and that's gonna float the price of those homes there. Yeah. And, if, if, and then people who wanna find a place there who make a little less money, they're gonna to have to find a place somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Right, and then, and Barrio Logan is suddenly gonna have more demand than it had before, and that's gonna raise the price of the value of the homes there, and it's going to go down all the way to the point where there's the very bottom where there's somebody whose rent is going to go up from $1400 to $2200 a month they can't make it work and they end up homeless yes now that is all very simple and everybody who sees somebody and the vast majority of the people we run into on the streets are are or not vast majority the the a lot of the people people run into on the streets and it's easy for them to say like obviously this is a mental health crisis because i just saw a guy who did xyz or, or whatever But I think it helps to understand like, well, yeah, we don't know how we got there uh, and it is a housing problem, but also that doesn't leave it so that we just don't do anything from that point, right? Yeah, it might take three years for the sports arena or whatever else the mayor's gonna lay out that's gonna create housing here to catch up to the need. But I think it's okay to also be insistent that in the meantime, what are we
1: gonna do? Because this is bad. Yeah, I mean, a problem 20 years in the making you know just if we will not be building that 60,000 gap of homes that you just laid out in the next 3 years that's just not that's that's not how that goes um keeping in mind we need to keep pace with the new jobs we're creating every single year still right you know? It's right. not like we stopped creating It's jobs. not like we stopped creating jobs. We very much do not. Everybody pause. <laughs> yeah.
3: Slow down.
1: Well, and there are people who, who offer that as a solution. Let's, <laughs> and I think more let's and just more, stop offering economic opportunity here mm-hmm. and, and and the problem will take care of itself. And that's true in a certain way. It's just cruel in yeah. another way. And yeah. bleak. And bleak, yeah. yes.
2: And and I think goes back to the history, frankly, of this entire city, right? There's yeah. been this debate for a long time do we try to create wealth and industry here or do we stop it because we want to keep it all nice and and cozy?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: We are going to take a quick
2: break. Stay with us.
0: Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact on the world? Then USD's conflict management and resolution master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD.
3: So I'm sure you guys have noticed that our education reporter, Jacob McWinney, has been crushing it lately, Mm -hmm. Uh, writing a lot of stories about universal transitional kindergarten.
1: Rolls right off the tongue.
3: Yeah. UTK. Yeah. So basically, the state said four-year-olds should go to public school, and they set up you know, a time frame for when school districts should do that in the state of California. San Diego Unified said, "Hey, we're just going to do that now and start letting in all four-year-olds into our schools without any restrictions on on age and and time frame for and the, their birthdays and such." Right.
2: Well, it used to be you could get into that program if you were born between September and December, and mm-hmm. uh, which was a weird discrimination based on when you copulated and. <laughs> Not like based on any other factors except
1: when you well, created. it was based on other factors, it was based on a presumption that those people would, sure. w- would have been the youngest in their grades and that this was uh creating a program for for the people who were in this weird between about what, what grade yeah. they should be.
2: No, in. I remember so. My, my daughter was born at the end of December, so she missed this period mm-hmm. and she was really mad about it, she wanted to go to school so bad. That was before the pandemic when she liked school. Okay. (laughs) And they, uh, I remember she was walking home with me and she's like, can you just tell them to let me in? And I was like, no. And she said, well, can you talk to the chalkboard guy? And I was like, I don't know what you mean, the chalkboard guy. And we were like really at a standoff. She's like, no, the chalkboard guy. And I was like, do you mean the school board guy? And she goes, yes, yes, yes. And uh, I said, well, the school board That's guy doesn't perc- like me. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's very perceptive of her. She she picked up some, She's very some smart conversations yes. that she had overheard. Yeah. yeah, and she, uh, so she didn't get in. But mm-hmm. yes, so that was the period. So mm-hmm. now it said like everybody can go in. That had a lot of consequences for uh, preschools who use four-year-olds to make the money they need to subsidize the rest of their operations. Mm-hmm. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that later. But Whoa. Jacob uh, found that it was uh, benefiting the school district for a number of reasons.
3: Yeah, but, but also to go back, it wasn't that these kids weren't going to school, right? They were going to schools where their parents were paying for them to go well, to school. I think
1: some of them probably didn't go to school. Yeah, they might have been at home daycare or something. The home daycare, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 But yeah, like a preschool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get on with some of the things Jacob's been doing, now that w- transitional kindergarten was a sensible name when it was available to a few people, and was meant to be a bridge between the you know preschool programs that, that that are often offered and kindergarten. It was a transition to kindergarten. Now that it's universal transitional kindergarten, <laughs> we might go ahead and just rename it pre-K, which mm-hmm. is a concept that people already understand. Yeah. Instead of having to school them up on universal. what it used to be and how it's been <laughs> extended to cover everybody, it, it need not. The the T in UTK need not exist anymore. In fact, neither does the U, we can just scrape that, forget about it, leave it as a relic of history, and just call it pre-K now, because that's what it is. That might be the smartest thing you've ever said. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, we put a pin in first. that. We'll go ahead and, uh, and start
3: that <laughs> cause tomorrow. But uh, one of the things that Jacob found was that San Diego Unified, just like a lot of school districts in the country... Are dealing with enrollment issues and enrollment slowly declining as time goes. There are many reasons for that. But when you took a look at their enrollment numbers, it seemed it still had a decrease, but not as bad as that trend that was going. But it was also because they welcomed a whole new group of children that wouldn't have been enrolled in school in the first place.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which is in some ways it's like well, duh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it used to be available only to people over five but and now, now four. four as well and so so our enrollment's not going down <laughs> yeah
2: uh, okay well you also made it possible yeah. for a lot more people to go
3: but also you have this new group of children which also new group of parents right who probably would have waited a whole nother year or maybe could have considered their options but like are now being put in a system where if they do do like the system that they're in will probably stick with that neighborhood school or whatever school they chose to enter hence like people will start staying in those neighborhood schools which some people choose to choice out of
1: yeah either to charter schools or because san diego unified has a a pretty robust choice program that allows people wherever you're districted into to try to go to another san diego Mm -hmm. unified school Mm -hmm. uh, through a Yearly process,
3: but it's like starting to build a relationship with the school early. Of you know that they they set up their university their UTK program really well. I'm really liking the school. I'm building relationships. My kids liking the teachers there. We're just going to stay with the school instead of you know. He actually found some people that were going through that. He found one person who, um, I think they were choosing to go with public school anyway, and I think for them the choice was that they wanted. Their child to experience a school that was in their neighborhood. And then also, they would, wouldn't be paying for a private school. They're, they had their child enrolled in a private school. So it's saving what it was like $15,000 or something. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a big savings.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's my family. It's a profound savings <laughs> to be able to go to school instead of pay for uh, preschool. Now, some of that savings is given away because I need to pay for after school care, which there's not enough of in the uh, public school system. But I mean, I immediately thought of with Jacob's story was something that I remember Richard Barrera saying for years, Uh, Richard Barrera's school board member for years as San Diego Unified uh, dealt with its plan to to improve neighborhood schools, to increase enrollment and to make neighborhood schools competitive um, with the choice program or with charter schools was The district's biggest problem wasn't that the schools weren't good enough, but that it was a messaging, a marketing, a communications problem that they needed to persuade parents in those neighborhood school districts that the school was, in fact, good enough to stay. Uh, The the school already had achieved the level it needed to achieve. They just hadn't gotten that message through to, to enough parents for it to trickle down. and. As I was thinking about how that played out here where like now maybe you get a better opportunity than ever before to communicate that quality that you think you've achieved to parents because parents that may have you know, been theoretically receptive to that message but never would have gone through with it because they would have taken an opportunity to go to a charter school or to choice to a school that has a better reputation. Well, if your choice is go to the TK in your school. Or don't, you know, go or stay, yeah, save this money. Save or don't. save this money or don't. Well, you you go ahead, you save the money, you move into TK. Well, then you've got a one year period with that with like a line of communication to that parent to say, isn't this great? Aren't you having a good experience? And, and you the, hope right because right. and and you had a good experience and others do could also work the other way. And Jacob wrote about that too. That like this is true. This is all well and good. Insofar as it goes well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but if the experience is a negative one, it'll do the exact opposite. It'll it'll and especially if it's like the transitional kindergarten program is new and in some places because it's new, it may feel chaotic or not fully realized yet. And so it might have the exact opposite effect. It may it may persuade people that that their impulse to pursue charter schools or, or choosing into a school with a better reputation was exactly the right one. And they, they might flee that neighborhood school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I, I'll say we live right across the street from Einstein Charter School. And so that like when I see when I wake up in the morning and I hear kids laughing and they're going to school, they're going to Einstein. That is like the in the um, in the concept of a neighborhood school. That doesn't mean like the school you're districted into. It means the school in your neighborhood. That one for me is, is Einstein. Mm-hmm. And so. Like the, the impulse that, of the woman that Jacob talked to who said, you know, I want my kid to walk to the school and mm-hmm. to play there and to have that neighborly relationship like that w- is attractive to us, too. And we would have been we would have considered Einstein for that reason. But it wasn't an option. We went to a transitional kindergarten at Golden Hill Elementary, which is just a short walk away. And the experience has been so good that it would be odd at this point for us to consider leaving. Because whereas before you might have considered your options for another year, right exactly, so i I mean I think that the way they're that the school district's thinking about it you know at least in my very limited sample of one experience makes perfect sense. I think if there are a lot of people having a similar experience to me out there, I think it 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 could be a a you know a, a bit of a wind in the back of the district in their attempts to blunt the um education enrollment problem.
3: Mm-hmm. But it could also hurt them if right. it's a bad experience,
1: right? I mean, and there's a lot of elementary schools, right? Like every <laughs> single one of them, just like every single elementary school is a different experience yeah. in any grade. The TK system could be, yeah, could be completely different.
2: Well, it'll be interesting to see how that happens. Also, if the state ever does face a budget crisis, where will this survive? That, yeah, uh, you know, there's, and so we'll we'll be tracking that as we go forward. But yes, Jacob's doing a great job. You can follow his work uh, every other week with the learning curve his newsletter that comes out VOSD.org slash learning curve. That's VOSD.org slash learning. Thanks for listening to the voice of San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast in San Diego that is supported by the 3000 plus of you all who make this possible. Thank you again for the financial contributions you showed and made last week and month. Uh, if you miss the cutoff, of course, you don't have to worry about it. You can do and donate again anytime at VOSD.org slash pod people, VOSD.org slash pod people. If you want to keep up with everything about the podcast, you can do that at VOSD.org slash pod and sign up for our weekly newsletter there. I'm Scott Lewis, CEO and Editor-in-Chief at Voice San Diego. Andrew Keats the Managing Editor. Andrea Lopez Viafania is also Managing Editor and Nate Johns, our producer. We'll talk to you next
0: week. Thank you.